0: Well done. Thank you. It's nice to see you, and it's nice to see you, all of my friends on the internet, right I here. I
1: offer you some of this blanket, and you've just.
0: I'm trying to do an introduction. You're all knocking Blankets around and things. Yes. I was gonna do a really nice introduction. I mean,
1: you can do a really nice introduction. I just thought you might want to okay. do it with one legs.
0: Thank you. My legs are much warmer. It is frigidly <laughs> cold in here. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do a proper introduction. You just. Give me a second, okay? All right. All right. Don't interrupt.
1: Of course not.
0: I've got to go now. Good. Okay, thank you.
1: Whenever you're ready.
0: Friends on the internet, it is so... You see, now I'm worried you're going to interrupt me.
1: I didn't say anything. I was just sitting here looking at the microphone, thinking about our friends.
0: And what were you thinking about them? Be careful, I'll tell them.
1: If I were to say, they would already know, and you wouldn't need to tell them.
0: Well, you save me a step that way. Speaking of saving steps, we started our rehearsal upstairs, which means I did not have to walk up the stairs. I didn't even have to go to the landing where the hat rack is. Instead, I shambled across the bedroom where the bookshelf full of clown books is. See? Adding color to the universe with every episode. To go through this tiny door to sit down here with you to introduce our podcast
1: two clowns in a closet
0: you're a little tiny tiny bit late just a tiny bit you want to do it again or you you happy
1: it was brilliant it was, a dramatic, it was perfect
0: dramatic pause yes dramatic. okay i'll give you a dramatic pause friends we're here it's very very cold it's right before the holidays and um, we have questions yes we do would I have
1: you? a nice little stack of questions here.
0: Well, the the questions. Would you like to start them? Yes, I was about to say the questions, please. I'm about. Re- I haven't said it yet. Don't just stick cards at me like it's. I'm gonna. The quest... I
1: apologize. I thought you were asking for the questions.
0: You're interrupting.
1: Well, I apologize for interrupting. Thank you. It means a lot. You're welcome. Dramatic pause.
0: <laughs> the cards, please. Thank you. I have just realized... You're welcome. I'm going to try talking now.
1: Sounds brilliant. You got a headache? A headache? No.
0: I hold my hand up menacingly. Do you have a headache?
1: <laughs> no, nor do I want for Ah, the there banking. it is.
0: There it is. It's an old radio joke. Speaking of radio, I want to take a second, since we've stopped...
1: Had we begun?
0: What's the difference? Good question. I, you know, today I'm having a weird day because normally I get ready for this like it's a show. Yes. I warm up a little. Mm-hmm. I think about it. Today, nothing. We've been talking about being behind the scenes. I didn't even shave today. I normally shave to be ready to work. Yes. And I'm feeling very, it's very casual today. I did remember my hat.
1: I was about to say, you do did, you did have your hat on.
0: So hat, funny socks, no shave. It's a. It's an irregular moment. So but I,
1: you'll be warmer.
0: That's true. I apologize if I'm not fully regular <laughs> during the course of this broadcast. That was an awkward choice. All <laughs> right.
1: Dramatic pause.
0: Dramatic pause. All right. Are you ready for the oh, first one? Oh, I'm
1: going to have to clarify that we are in fact saying dramatic pause as opposed to highlighting that there is a dramatic pause.
0: You just heard the sound, the internal screaming of a transcriptionist, which is you. Yes. I have no such problems, he said charmingly. Okay, but the good thing
1: is, I don't tend to add too many descriptors to how we speak
0: so. you're you're right. I, I I feel sorry for people to read the transcriptions of when we do something like go
1: I can't wait to see what the automated software thinks you said there.
0: You're welcome now then that, that we've handled all the obvious the, the very yes. important things, mm-hmm. the first question of this episode, okay. I'm going to read it to you. You're going to answer it. That's the format of the that show. That is
1: the format of the show. A
0: format we established so long ago and yet haven't gotten right once. <laughs> recommendations for hypoallergenic theater makeup.
1: I would love some.
0: No, that was the question. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I missed a part. Oh, do you have oh, no, recommendations? Say,
1: say do you have. But I do assume that that was their intent. Um, it,
0: it says it here in the part where I make it, it, it in more. In the part
1: where you make it up.
0: Yeah, the part where, in the part outside the paper where I made it up so it sounded nice. I read what was on the card. You said just go in there, sit down, read the card. It'll be great. I read the card, and you're already making fun of me by saying I made stuff up. I'm a very honest person. I'll have you know.
1: That's true.
0: I didn't come here to get into an argument with you. It just sort of happened. weren't you going to answer a question about hypoallergenic theater makeup? I was for um, clowns. Clowns.
1: You know, it's hard to find an answer for that because um it's it's always difficult with skin stuff to know what you respond to, what you don't respond to. Are you having a problem with your glasses there?
0: No, no, I'm fine. Please continue. I wouldn't want to interrupt.
1: <laughs> but um so the I use Ben Nye. Um, brand. This is not a product placement. This is not a product placement. We're not we're not sponsored. But I use Ben Nye um, grease paint, and uh, and it works really well for me. But I would say for anybody who has skin allergies, has reactions to various um, makeup products, most. Um, costume shops, like theater costume shops, yeah. not your Halloween, it, store. Halloween store, but yeah, most theater that. costume shops, the places that you can go to get rentals for theater shows, tend to have a makeup counter. Um, that makeup counter does tend to attract the person who knows a lot about theatrical makeup to it. Um, and they can typically help you out. Um typically they can help you uh do a patch test with anything that you're considering before you actually have to invest in purchasing an amount of it um
0: by patch test you mean put some on right yeah
1: put some on and and try it yeah, on your skin yeah yeah i didn't um, know the
0: i didn't know the term but i was going to get around to saying that so i'm glad you covered it
1: yeah you you want to you want to test it see how your body reacts um And and go with it from there. Unfortunately, there's not much else you can do on that point, I don't think. How about you? Do you have any recommendations for hypoallergenic? theater makeup
0: i you know i i'll I'll add on to what you said you have to try what works for you and it's going to be different things grease paint uh is it it is a grease base with a with a a colorant in it and then Mm -hmm. you set it with a powder and i've seen things like marie likes neutral set powder instead of baby powder which is traditionally used because it doesn't have uh whatever they add to baby powder to give it a scent
1: Yes. And
0: she doesn't like the scent and so we go and get her neutral set. So you have I to... use
1: neutral set as well.
0: Sure. So you you find the things that work for you over time and it's 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 a funny thing because when I have when I started out and I've talked about this before, I tried makeup and people responded weirdly to me. Yes. For whatever reason when I wore makeup and I, I think it's just my face is expressive and if you start painting that that gets weird. So what I tell people is, you know, figure out figure out what works on you and try it. And, you you know, you always hear about you know, clowns have an established makeup design that is their face. And you know, we kind of talked about that recently. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the reality is that evolves over time. It happens over time. And so the experimentation, the explore, the play is yes. really important to figure that out. I will also say that... We said go to a theater supply of some sort and mm-hmm. find the makeup counter and talk to them. And it's important that we're saying theater makeup and not cosmetics. Theater makeup is made very standardized, you can read up a lot about it. Cosmetics vary. Y-
1: and, yes.
0: And you can get into things that are not that are not quality because there's no regulation on them as a product. And yes. so you need to be very careful if you're going to play with makeup to make sure, one, do things to test, ooh, I'm sensitive to this chemical, I should never use it, it makes me rash out. And also, don't put garbage on your skin. Weirdly, while I don't like the feel of makeup on me because it's not a familiar feeling, I can glue weird stuff to me, I can cover myself in burlap, no problem. I know other people who who they're delicate like a peach and they can't handle that. So your skin will vary. And what's happened in the theater world, I think... Is Over time, I have seen them occasionally bring new product lines, but it's actually the opposite of what people want. What people want is a consistent, I use this for my career, and if you bring something else out, maybe it's good, maybe it's not. And those things tend to go away. So I actually look at things that are, that are older, and the, the, one, the one caveat on older is I have acquired used makeup and things like that over the years, and we're very careful to check that stuff that has been sitting older.
1: Yeah, because, because you do want cross, relatively fresh.
0: Yeah, it is a grease base, cross-contamination can be a real problem, and things can grow in there that you do not, once again, want to slap on your face. So please be careful and do smart things. Yeah, that's my answer.
1: Okay. So that's what we've got for you. Uh, the, the, the older Some of the older brands are really consistent, and so you can count on them to keep yeah. doing the same thing. Test stuff for yourself. Mm-hmm. Most makeup, most theatrical stores have a makeup counter and uh good luck we wish we could have been more helpful
0: i think send us photos of stuff you're working on
1: i would love to see photos of stuff people are working on
0: you know what if someone sends me a photo of stuff they're working on i will dig in my archives and find a makeup test from the days where i was bad at makeup and i will send it in return because i I have atrocious makeup i have seen
1: some of these pictures they're great
0: they're very bad They're very bad. But I would share that's how confident I am that the process takes time. So I put that out there to people as a creative opportunity. I thank you for the very good summary, and uh, we should move along.
1: All right. What experiences have you had with furries?
0: With furries? Oh. With furries. I got nothing but good things to say about furries. I got to start this off, be clear. I am not a furry myself. Okay. And I'm, I'm I'm an older person, so, you know, I've heard... Throughout the years, early on, I heard about furries. I'm like, okay, that's a thing you're into. But I thought it was like like Trekkies or 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 people who liked a particular book series. You know, it's just, that's just what they're into. And I didn't really understand it until we got a call from a furry convention. And the furry convention said, would you come and do a show for us? And we said, uh, do we have to dress as dogs? Because we knew nothing. We So we honestly asked, do we have to write stuff and they're like no we want you because we like you and that was first good sign yes it kept getting better from there every step of the way was so good and by the time it was over we did three years of show, annual shows for them bigger each time mm-hmm. um, they are responsible for some of my favorite memories on stage where some of the best audiences and we noticed right like right from the get go they were the most involved, invested audience that we'd seen in a while. And I think there's a tendency in a lot of places where audiences kind of sit back and they don't they don't get invested. These were people on the edge of their seats, really involved with some of the very stupid things we were doing.
1: Mm-hmm. I love them so I, much. <laughs> yeah, I, I have
0: nothing, nothing good things to say. So uh, I was having this great experience, and by the second or third year, I don't remember which, we were in a very big theater. They kept moving us into a bigger theater. So it must have been the last year that we did this because it was a huge theater. And I was talking to one of the techs that had built the room. And These, these were people who were professionally lighting and theater and sound techs. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to one of these people backstage because uh, we just clicked and we were working on tech. And they were building this massive stage for us to do our thing on. And I, I finally said, okay, you got to explain because I think I get it, but I don't get it. Why is this so great? And he said to me something that I, I've really taken to heart. He said, you know, when you go to a Star Trek convention or you go to a comic book convention, you meet people who are all talking about the same thing. They're all talking about Star Trek or comic books or superheroes. And if they dress up, they dress up as those things. And that's great. He said, the furries are different. He said, they are dressing up as a version of themselves and therefore are very invested in their own creativity and then as the hobby side of it, and I know there's a lot more to it than that, from the hobby side of it, they are very excited about other people's creativity because they know that process. And so when they saw us being heightened versions of ourselves on stage as clowns, they got very into that because they had this understanding of what it takes to make those decisions. And at that moment, my my opinion right it got even better it was already good and it just it just kept growing and i i just i went all in on this you know playing with these these people and having we did some workshops we we threw in i said let's do some workshops and we threw in we did some workshops and we ended up doing a movement workshop for costumed performers where i got to meet someone who uh now does this is really funny. The now does uh hospital work, like they show up in their in their fursuit and they hang out with kids mm-hmm. who are in hospitals, which I think is adorable. When I first met him, he was a six and a half foot tall lion. And he scared everyone, including me. Remember, I was new to all this. I was scared. There was a lion in the room, and that's a predator with the eyes at the front and the fangs of the front, and was lo- looming over me and making and being very still. And it's just very scary. And we ended up sort of approaching how do you, once we, we met the performer, found that the performer, Heart of Gold.
1: Oh, wonderful, wonderful being.
0: Right. And so Heart of Gold, human being who was trying to do good things, and we said, how can we fix this? And we started working with, like, making sure he wasn't too imposing and making sure that the lion's movements weren't too sudden and and trying to make them fluid but not too still so they didn't seem like they were stalking anyone. And all of these things... This guy integrated into what he was doing, and the next time I saw him, it was like watching a living cartoon, and it was del- it was delightful to see that people were invested in a craft, and that's one side of a, of a fandom, as much as I was in my own, and so we had a real connection there. Additionally, I had like great late night philosophic talks. We sat with a bunch of people after one of the shows and just sat all night chatting. And it was I did feel sort of like some people felt like, oh, I am the ambassador to all of this because you don't know what you're doing and we should keep you from being eaten, which is sort of funny because there are like jackals and beavers and badgers running around. Um, I don't know why a beaver made the list of things I was afraid of being eaten by, but just roll with it. The point is, they, they said to me, they said, look, you know. We, we pick something that's inside us and then we bring it out. And, you know, if it's if it's dog-like, it becomes a dog. If it's cat-like, it becomes a cat. And I said, oh, that's really cool. And we kind of... I don't remember who's if we said it or they said it. It, it got set. Mm-hmm. Said that clowns, the theory came, were what you get if your fursona, the thing you pull out of yourself and make into a creature, was a human being. And I have for my whole life realized that that is exactly what the work is about. It's trying really hard to be a good human being version of myself and being kind of crap at it in the <laughs> same way that being a giant cartoon dog is great, but it's also crap for being a dog, you know? And I mean that in a really loving, loving supportive yeah. way, but you're, you're you're a good dog, but you're a bad dog. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of that. I mean, the closest I get to being a good human being is maybe I'm a well-trained orangutan, and you know maybe that's what i am but the the truth of it is the the furries got this one idea mm-hmm. and this is what we connected over and we bonded over and ever since i've had ongoing good interactions with furries i know some people say things about furries and i'm like i'm not a furry but i love them because they are they're so good to us and we've had so many good things and I'm trying thinking I think a few of our videos on our website are from are from those shows Mm -hmm. because they were so good and the audience was so present that's a lot of how we pick for clown how we pick our videos that we'll use for a portfolio is not just how good is the act but
1: can you can you feel the audience presence through the video because yeah
0: yeah make a lot of noise making a lot of noise if anyone's ever recording because they they, that you know hearing that cheering (laughs) yay that 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 Translates through, and you feel that as an you get the sort of a sense of what it's like to be in the room with that performer if you're watching the video back, yeah. So, there's that, um, yeah. So, I think, I think, what are what have my experiences been? The all, all good, all, all good. I don't know, maybe I have more, but yeah, awesome, awesome. I should ask you, and I, I know, I know that you were with me on some of this, so oh, yeah, 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 um, what. Experiences have you had with furries?
1: Yeah, so I, I definitely was along for the ride for the same...
0: You teched the first I couple I think I teched the
1: first one. I think I was performing from that point forward. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure. Sure. Um, it's so easy to lose track of when you were at what stage and things. Um, but yeah, like... One, um, I mean, I had friends... I had at least one friend in high school who was part of a wolf pack. I mean, like it's it wasn't something new for me, um, and I mean, I'd gone to, I'd gone to anime conventions and oh, sure. ended up, yeah, ended up coming home with with paws and a tail. So it's not like it was completely outside of the range of things I'm familiar with. I don't, per, I don't personally use the term to describe myself, but. Definitely adjacent.
0: But your experiences with furries.
1: But yes, my experiences with furries. You're you're actively trying to push for a particular story. I am aren't not.
0: You? I am not. I don't have a. Oh, now I realize that you have a story. Yeah, I, I totally want you to tell that. But no, at the time I was just like, tell tell a story. Tell us more about the experience. Now I remember. What. <laughs>
1: You're making faces. Um, I'm making
0: confused, lost, and oops faces. Yes, that's what I do.
1: That's all right.
0: That's how I roll.
1: Yeah, I did have... um, I don't remember which year it was. It wasn't the first year we did that particular convention. But it was one of the years we had this particular convention. So we drive up for the first day. Because we were teaching classes, and we were going in and having to, like get our bearings and know where we were supposed to be and if they had a backroom space for us to have, to store some of our stuff and do some of that sort of thing. And I happened to be the one driving a car. So we drove in and everybody else got out of the car to go find out what, you know, go check out the lay of the land, find out where we were supposed to be because we were going to need to unload our gear. And so I had to sit with the car with the gear, and everybody else went off to go find out what was going on.
0: Which to me says that you were probably in the tech roustabout role because we just left you with everything and said sort it out and wandered off. That feels. Well, no, you m-
1: didn't say sort it out. You said wait here. We'll be back.
0: Oh, even worse, we didn't give you anything to do. Just no. Stuck. I just had to wait. Yeah, wait there, you were definitely you were definitely the new kid at that point.
1: Um, but. So I'm just sitting outside in the car on this very gray day um, directly in front of the door to the hotel. And something that people who are not super familiar with furries may not know is that while while I think people commonly are fairly aware that there are people out there who dress up as dogs, or who dress up as giant cats. Dragons. Dragons. We've had some amazing dragons that we've seen. Very pretty. Um, but one of the things I think fewer people are aware of is that there is a, a whole contingent of hooved creatures who are part of the furry community. And as I'm sitting out there out walks out a small herd
0: that would be the grouping term
1: of deer
0: That would absolutely be the grouping term.
1: They looked wonderful all of them in there just they're so tall.
0: So well, with the the horns. Yeah, cuz
1: you've got you've got the um, you've got feet that have been Shifted the, like, they've got the stilt things going on. And you've got, you know, the massive costume. And then on top of that, yes, you've got antlers. So tall. Beautiful costumes. My dear,
0: they're not bucking around.
1: Wow!
0: I'm sorry for that punishment. You may continue.
1: Um, but so, this small herd of deer walk out and cross in front of my vehicle because I happen to be parked right in front of the crosswalk. So they, they walk on the crosswalk. I, I assume they're heading out for Starbucks or something. I don't know. Wait. but
0: Did you say they were heading out for Starbucks?
1: Star-bucks. <clears throat> yep.
0: It's still funny. I don't, I don't know. It is. Okay.
1: But so they cross in front of me. And then one of them just stops and turns their head and stares at me. And so I now have this bright blue deer just staring at me in front of my car. And I'm sitting in my car, staring at them, staring at me, staring at them, staring at me, staring at them. For a solid moment, like the rest of the herd is moving on, and they're just there. Until I finally realized something. Mm-hmm. It was a very gray day, and my headlights were still on. <laughs> so I turned off my headlights. And they just sort of shook their head briefly and continued on their way and went and caught back up with the herd.
0: And that was the start of your experience with furries.
1: That was the start of of at least that year. I don't remember which year it was, but that was the start of the convention for me. I did not run into them again for the rest of the convention. But oh my gosh, the commitment to the moment it was so beautiful.
0: They stood in traffic for a gag. Take a moment and realize what we're talking about here. They were so committed to what they were doing.
1: that they just, yeah, they just stood there in front of a car. Admittedly, not a, not a car that was sure. trying to move anywhere, but they just stood there. Sure. It was beautiful and amazing. And I laughed my head off. By the time you guys you guys came back, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you guys have to know what just happened."
0: Well, you, it you, was
1: it was brilliant. You it was had, absolutely wonderful. You had
0: more you had more uh, you received more comedy. I received more philosophy. It seems from this experience. That's neat.
1: Yes, well, you were dealing with badgers, and they're wise.
0: They are very wise.
1: But yeah, so that's that's yeah. I mean that, that that can sum it up for me. I mean the furries are wonderful.
0: Okay. Well then you know what are your experiences with furries? Thumbs up all around. Or pause up. Yes. It's an awkward pause.
1: Ah. Moving on. Moving on. Was
0: well, this is for this is for me to read to you?
1: But yeah, because you just read I read that one to you first and so you read this one to me first.
0: You too. Episode. Who knows? I still can't get the format right. (laughs) I sounded so confident at the beginning.
1: It's all right. All right.
0: How do clowns relate to gender in the act of performance and embodiment of characters in a created world?
1: That is an amazing question. Can
0: can I add an O snap to that?
1: Yeah, that was O snap. Um, I mean. definitively every clown is going to have their own experience with this mm-hmm. because gender is a very individualized thing um, I, I want to look at the details on this again in the act of performance and embodiment of characters in a created world
0: break, break it down for break it down for characters you have a, you have more than one
1: i do yeah so um, let's see my first My first persona, Jane, um, identifies as female, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know that she's given much of a second thought to it, um.
0: Certainly not at first.
1: Yeah, definitely not early on, um. it's definitely i mean it's a it's a factor in who the in who the character is and something i've realized since playing that character is that jane is obsessed with the rules
0: obsessed uh, with the rules
1: yes um and so i think there's definitely a level to which the assumed requirements of femininity were in play.
0: Part of the rules? Yeah. Interesting.
1: Um, But you'd also definitely describe her as tomboyish. There's no question that that's also part of, of who that character is.
0: Yeah. As a, as a director watching that character evolve, I know there was certainly the, the childlike glee first. Yes. And then after we got to see more of the... The sort of the, the the rules focused. Yes. Come out of that, and mm-hmm. and it was it was interesting because at first we thought, oh, maybe this is another another persona that was coming on. We kept waiting and kept going, and uh, eventually those merged, and that's when I think we really met that character.
1: Oh yeah, because there was the whole haughty, um, sort of Mary Poppins ish.
0: Prissy was the word that kept coming up.
1: Ah. Uh... We thought that might be its own persona. Then it definitely just was the other half of Jane.
0: Um, Which both, it's, it's funny because we're, we're talking about a character. So it's, mm-hmm. there is a negative personality trait there. But softened by the sort of playfulness of that first thing we saw, it turned out to be an amazing asset within a, a creative company. Oh, yeah. Because you, have, you had a character who who was very concerned with the rules, but yes. also ready to play. And that is a fun character to have in a scene where you have other people going off the rails because they kind of hold it together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, I don't... It, the, in the act of performance and embodiment of characters in is general, an interesting, it's an interesting you, sub-segment of that in particular. Take
0: it outside of that if you need to. you got a lot I think, to say. I think I need to
1: because Go for ahead. me, you know... When Chadwick showed up, Chadwick's not the first male character I've performed as. No. Because I had an entire series of mask performances, every single one of which were male.
0: You temporarily colored my perception of mask performance and made me think it tended to skew masculine. Until later events revealed themselves, because so every mask we put on you came out male, and then in, within a group we had a large number of people having a, a similar experience, and then seeing it the other way, and then realizing ultimately you're just playing tropes and generalizations, and you're pl- most people are just playing with these things.
1: Yes, but it
0: it really did it really did initially uh, skew my perception of mask to watch that going down.
1: Yeah, because um, we definitely. I, there was definitely a moment where somewhere in the middle of we we did a a week long intensive, and somewhere in the middle of that I definitely stopped and noticed that every single mask character i'd i'd made felt felt masculine mask masks um <laughs> and you know i I took that little, the little nugget of, of notice and said, "Hmm, yeah, we'll unpack that later. That's, that's not for right now."
0: And unpack you did,
1: significantly later. But yes, the, um, the
0: other side of that. I think something else that cemented my skew. I was thinking about this during that time. There was an established mask that was one of the performers we met towards the end of the week, mm-hmm. who kind of came in, and he was playing a terrible feminine stereotype. Just a very, almost, almost crass. Yes. Screechy. Just all the things that are really almost bad male tropes. And that's a character choice. That's a thing. That's not mine. It had nothing to do with me. But I think that plus the other thing I saw that was happening with you and a few other performers really really Temporarily skewed how I saw what emerges, what emerges from these these masks, and what ultimately I realized was they're they're just primitive.
1: Yeah, they're primitive, and and one of the things that you you have to realize when you're dealing with putting people into a state where they're dealing with um with things they're reading as primitive, and they're reading as. You know, I think that the word that's coming to mind, and I think I need to, to frame this is defaults because a huge part of what you do when you're, when you're performing is you're going to be read by an audience and you have to be aware of what they're going to assume. And when you're only bringing in a little tiny bit of something... It's going to be read by the audience, and that's going to inform what it is. And so you go with defaults. And when you're in a room, that you know, I've been in, I've been in a lot of different rooms of performers, and that is one of the straightest rooms was, I've ever been in. It
0: was unusually so for for all the rooms for I've been theater. In, you make a point. You make a point. And I don't I don't think that was. I don't think that was anything other than coincidence of that particular room. Yeah. Knowing it's, it's the people that were involved in putting to it together. who happened to have shown up. Yeah. It's who
1: happened to have shown up. But so that room was particularly straight. And particularly cis. And that's going to inform what the defaults are. And there's a huge part of cis heteronormative culture where the default is male. So it's going to skew towards male unless they see things that they actively go, oh, that's feminine. So there were masks that appeared to wear makeup, and so those tended to be read as feminine masks. So that definitely was happening during that week that we were there. And I'm, I'm not throwing shade on the people who ran it because I don't think it's on that. It's Please just don't. Who They're to friends. Be, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm being very clear here. It was a a thing that happened to happen the week we were exploring. But, you know, when Chadwick showed up, I think that in a lot of ways, just like when that hoity caretaker rule follower person showed up, this was a split that needed to happen for me to explore it that's going to merge back together. Um, because something I haven't talked about here or anywhere yet is that I sat down with both of my characters, both of my personas, and we attempted to do a interview.
0: We were going to cut it together.
1: Yeah, we were going to cut it together. So we, we had it so that we sat down with, we sat down with Jane and we sat down with Chadwick and we asked them for questions for the opposite Um, but for the other persona and we did manage to get those before I hit a point in my own explorations of gender and my realizations and the total cracking point for me where when we came back to ask each of those characters those questions, ask each of those personas those questions. I didn't get a chance to try the Chadwick one, but I started trying Jane.
0: Because Jane is, historically, you've got more time as performing Jane.
1: Yeah, I've had much more time performing as Jane, and I couldn't be Jane anymore.
0: I was in the room and unfortunately watched the day not not Jane broken it's all gone but watch no. you break have to stop and just we that's as a director we just sat and said okay let's talk about it and you had to you had to put that down for a minute
1: yeah um is because of that realization i had where jane jane is a rules follower and so there are things that are just true about jane and
0: Imaginary people are allowed to be incredibly absolutist.
1: And, the, and yeah.
0: Delightfully so.
1: And it's wonderful. But I couldn't continue to be playing myself authentically through that persona because I had finally processed my way through some rules that I didn't feel continued to apply. Um, so I sat down to do that, and it just didn't work. Um so I don't know where I go from there necessarily. I know that I do. Um, sure. We haven't had. It's very difficult to develop personas without an audience.
0: A lab, I would say, a, 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 lab a, theater, lab a theater lab is where, where the best of that work comes out. But yeah,
1: um, which we don't have access to right now. But. when I I look back at Chadwick and at Jane Jane got to be the very bubbly, very happy baby clown that Mm -hmm. most baby clowns start out as which is good Um, the only really negative emotions that got added to her emotional palette were frustration and anger so she could be very happy She could be very angry or frustrated at you. But that was kind of the range of emotions that she had. And when I started working with Chadwick, Chadwick is a sad boy.
0: I feel bad because as the director and as someone facilitating clown, my job is to make Chadwick cry a lot because it's hilarious. I have yes. watched you dehydrate playing that persona.
1: Because he is absolutely hilarious, but he is going to weep at the slightest provocation. And I think, you know, when, when we did have them sit down and each have questions for each other, one of the questions Jane had for Chadwick was, what makes him sad? Um, because she couldn't understand it. Like, there was a fundamental lack of understanding... Like she understood that people are sometimes sad. But she doesn't really understand how sadness works.
0: And I think that personas, whether they're masks or clowns or characters, they start off not as children, but childlike. They start off very innocent, and until you create some experiences for them, mm-hmm. they don't they don't have much of a palate. And I remember, for example, Jane was very childlike, and we took Jane to an event where Jane had to literally flirt from a bar. It was a...
1: a oh, st- yeah. The,
0: and we referred to it as... Clown the we- puberty. Yeah, we referred to it as the, wee- as the weekend or the run wherein you went through clown puberty, because by the end of it, Jane had figured out how flirting worked, which is not to say Jane was good at it, but Jane had it down. And it was really funny, because everything you did after that, it was like you unlocked your ability to bring, I'm not going to say sensuality or sexuality or eroticism, but the idea of the, the possibility of it that comes yes. in flirtation could come into the work. And that, again, you have to create experiences for clowns to have for them to grow. I
1: think, I think the, the way that I sort of feel about that is that, so babies flirt.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And clowns flirt in the same way that babies do. When they start.
0: They're trying to make friends.
1: And then the thing that came into how Jane interacts in that period of time was the wink of knowing that it's also something else. It's arguably the same flirtation, but that level of of you wink about yes, I'm aware of the double entendre, I'm aware of what what this could mean it doesn't necessarily bring any of that to the table it just says oh yeah it wasn't on accident that that got brought when it did
0: i think the the funniest thing about that was then with each of these evolutions and what what remains so much fun about working with clown and personas like this and masks and all of these characters is the more they have in their palette, the more they're going to surprise you. After a while, you learn someone's, you learn someone's shtick. Yeah. I, I, there's a good side of that, which means I know when we dance, you tend to go one direction first. Yes. Great. I never have to wonder which way to go. Yes. I just have to play with that or against it, depending on the result I want. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is you can get into the point of being in a rut, and when somebody brings something new into the work, it's so, to me, it's a win, because now we have, oh... You said something dirty. You never do that. And yeah. we, have, we have this new thing. Yeah. Whereas you, as a human, are kind of a filthy pig, and we'll say we'll will say terrible. Me, t-
1: no way. Yeah, you're an
0: innocent, like uh, the driven snow. But <laughs> I, I do think that over time you will you will synthesize all of these things and more, and what you will end up will be both exactly the same as you've been playing and somehow refreshed and new.
1: Yes. that's my
0: that's my point of optimism. I think that's for definitely
1: you. where we're at. I think it's also important to point out that that one of the things we did not do at any point was assume the gender of any given character.
0: Absolutely not. And when when you turn this around to me, I've got more on that.
1: Okay. Um, because I think I think that's important to say is that it's not the case that for anybody out there exploring clown, uh, if. Like, yes, I sat there after a week-long multi-mask. Every single one of them turned out to be masculine. But that's for and you. And sat there and get, went, mm, I wonder if that's something I need to unpack. It doesn't mean anything about your gender that a clown persona that you have has a different one.
0: Absolutely. That is
1: definitely a thing that happens. Um, and it's not uncommon.
0: One of the one of the earliest uh, clown, very innocent American clown uh, exercises I remember about playing exaggerations is they told everyone to get on stage and be your mother. Yeah, and so you are for a portion of the room playing against. Your type. You're playing against your gender. You're playing against that. And one part of it is to play a loving pastiche of someone. And one part is to play an exaggeration yes. and to play something where you may or may not be comfortable. And I think that all of these things, if they're played as character choices, as ideas, as as gentle things, mm-hmm. you know, with taken taken whether or not you choose to use them, you know, good or bad, take them with respect when you're playing with them. It's important to explore them all. What you took from that experience is very personal and important, equally important, yes. not necessarily part of everyone's experience. Very much so. Right. That's, so
1: that's one of the things I wanted to point out is that yeah. it's, it's it, you know, everybody has both masculinity and femininity to their being Don't in some degree. So that a part of you comes out that's not in line with what the majority of you is, it is not cause for concern. Don't freak out.
0: (laughs) Advice for the players given by you. Yes. Well done.
1: So, for you... For for me. How do clowns relate to gender in the act of performance and embodiment of characters in a created world?
0: I'm going to really put my teacher's hat on for a lot of this. Awesome. So, one one of the things that first comes to mind is a lesson that I've learned repeatedly um, in good ways and bad and had to take for myself from the work is that there's one thing to go, okay, if it's on stage, we cannot ignore it. You cannot ignore Chekhov's gun. You cannot ignore the elephant in the room and you cannot ignore the audience. Asking the audience to not see something either leads to an incongruity which may later be resolved or a problem because you're trying to hide something and then the audience doesn't trust you. That doesn't necessarily mean that there is a problem there, but you cannot pretend that that situation doesn't exist, is something that was shown to me and taught to me repeatedly. I want to point out, though, that's about within the little square that is the stage. I unfortunately had one of the best teaching opportunities, and we be very careful not to mention a teacher's name, but I had a teacher who was not a respectful person in this way. And they, uh, they harshly and deeply misgendered someone repeatedly on or off stage. And when gently, quietly, this person went to the bathroom for unrelated reasons, everyone leans in and says, hey, maybe you can fix this. Put up a brick, a very ugly brick wall, which I will not repeat here. And watching this because I'm, I'm far back I'm dealing with my own traumas relating to performance I'm going through my own stuff but I'm watching this go down and I think because I was so far away from myself because I was freaking out about my own yeah. stuff because that is what clown stuff when you're learning is really unearthing things in you is I saw someone in trauma and I said to myself I said I do not want I want to be better than that I do not want to be like that I want to be respectful coming into the work as a teacher. One, I I worked very hard to make sure that that's where my mind was when I came in the room. I've also had the luck to work with people from a lot of different backgrounds and and different Mm -hmm. orientations and different identities. And so I've had this really wonderful opportunity to explore that. And the reality is off the stage, we have to respect people. On the stage, we do have to at least acknowledge
1: what it is we see, no is, matter we, what it is, no matter
0: what it is, because it's there, and we have to, we have to, we have to own that. And if we can't own it, and we expect our audience to deal with it, that is, that is incongruous and unfair. If now we
1: do own it and expect our audience to deal with it.
0: That's a choice. That's
1: a choice, and that's
0: good. See, yes. that's the flip side of this: is that once we're self-aware, then we can play with it, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and that is good. The other thing that happened, now I get to name names because I get to talk about something good because I had to dunk on somebody and now I'm excited. I got to go to study with Angela De Castro, who is magnificent. I refer to her as the father of my clown. Mm-hmm. Because after being devastated by a lot of things, she is the one who took the time to put me back together and make me who I am now. There's nothing but reverence there. And um, so I'm in her class. And she is She's a tough cookie and is not going to take crap from anyone. And so you find yourself commiserating with your fellow performers. And there was a, a performer, a clown performer, who I really liked, and we've become fairly good friends, Who uh, who's non-binary. And I, I said, can I ask you a question I'm way out of base? And remember, I'm in London, and they know me as the idiot from Texas. <laughs> so... They've sort of taken the approach that I am a bumbling backwards person and assume everything until I prove otherwise is okay. But is
1: in good faith, but good might faith, be questionable. But I
0: need help. Yeah, yeah, there's sort of that, which I think I wish I could live that way all the time, other than the assumptions that get made. Uh, but But I'm so I'm sitting there, I'm saying, How does how does your how does your gender affect your work? And they turn and look at me and they said, The same way it affects you and yours. And got up and walked away to get more tea. And then we came back and chatted for another hour. And my brain during that time, just the the length of time it takes to make a cup of tea imploded and rebooted. And what I was left with is, of course, it's this incredibly vital and important thing. But it is simultaneously absolutely everything and not at all important to the work until it is. If the work's about that, obviously, it's critical. If it's not about that, it's not. It must be owned on stage like any other truth. If I walked on stage and I was missing a hand, that could either be tragedy or comedy. But it is on stage. And, and if you
1: don't address it,
0: then it's everybody, distracting. People are going, should we say something about, what What if you need to pick up with something? Are you going to juggle? Yeah, all the questions happen. It's a visceral visual example. I don't like that that's what I went to necessarily, but I think it it speaks very clearly to what I'm talking about. Yes, You have to... You have to address it. And the funny thing is, in the cases where you don't, where the comfort is there, it's amazing how irrelevant it is. And the number of clowns I have met who have sort of a just ambiguousness about them. I think uh, actually about Foley. Uh, Oh,
1: nobody knows the gender of Foley, really. I mean, like, I assume Marie does.
0: I assume Marie does. But Marie, who who identifies as female. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, has this clown who we love and adore, blue headed blue-haired weirdo, we say, named Foley. And Foley is sort of like Woody Woodpecker. There's just something am- just ambiguous about the that it's just it's good. It's funny. I, I never stop I never stop enjoying being there, but simultaneously could dance with me and it'd be very funny and tango sexy. But also
1: not sexy at, at all. all
0: and it's hilarious because it, it it was never an intentional choice it was just continuing to follow a set of creative impulses to where you ended up which was this really delightful place where you have someone who is you know uh, just just a personality a big hello and a weird noise is mm-hmm. what that character is and that's delightful to have um so i think a lot of the idea in in dealing with with gender as it comes into the work is where does it overlap with what you're talking about? You have to address it, but then it's, it's what story are you telling? You yes. know,
1: And I mean, once again, when you, when you look at things like, yeah, I'm jumping in on your answer, it's but, okay. but when you look at things like the fact that in many, many cases you're performing in a space of, Heteronormativity. normativity yeah now now you have to deal with if you have a boy clown and a girl clown
0: what is their relationship
1: what is their relationship uh yeah. in spaces that are more queer you have that question in more situations in more ways but in a very heteronormative space you end up with it, it pretty much limits itself to if there is a girl clown and a boy clown, we ask the question are they are they lovers are they married, which is not necessarily the same thing
0: oh the number uh. of times or, or or the number of times I have been asked if I was an, a younger clown's parent,
1: yes because are they parent and they're child. looking
0: because children. And this is this is a double edged sword. Children understand relationships. Yes. And I think what is most interesting in the discussion of like mainstream, you're in a performance environment in the mainstream where there are, and and certainly we are here in Texas. We have seen a lot of very mainstream, heteronormative, default culture sort of thinking, where the only time, and I think I think about my clown where I flirt with. A man and it's a joke. I flirt with a woman and it's a threat. And I flirt with a lamppost and it. were maybe it's a joke and maybe it's a threat. Everybody we're,
1: calms down though e- because it means that because you, it's, you but, joke, you flirting with the woman didn't matter.
0: Exactly. And so I think there's this. There is uh, if you have that awareness and you play with it, then you both have a chance to challenge it. And I always say, and the truth is, we're going to get in trouble. We're going to get letters. Uh, but I always say that it's the fact that we know these things that allows us to sneak into places where we don't belong so we can ask the question. And I think that's where this work gets really interesting. Not, I do think there's a need to be radical about a lot of things. But if the fact is you can be radical while seeming like you might in some way bumblingly belong, like you're just bad at it, yeah. then you're allowed to get very close to things and drop a little, uh, a little idea in the room. And we can all just laugh about it because, quote unquote, it's just comedy. But then maybe we change the way someone thinks. And I think very often that is the part of this work when we're at festivals and we're having multiple little little moments of interactive theater that I really adore because we have a chance to get close to people and and share with them what might be a very gentle introduction to a broader perspective. And I yes. think that's important. And I think... If you, if you come at everything radically, well, then people will come at you. Def- they'll return with defense. Mm-hmm. And where I find we do our best work is when people drop their armor. When the defensiveness starts, all the learning stops. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I'm always looking for a way, how do we create a little area where we feel safe? And when we're in the lab, the other, the other side of this is when, when we're in the lab, when we're in a teaching environment, back to the teaching hat, is I'm always going to try to create provocative environments and challenging environments and maybe even ho- momentarily hostile environments because we need to see how the clown responds. We need them to be safe. We're going to hug them and give them chocolates after. Yes. But we need to know what that when you're in that state, what your response is. Do you shut down? Do you freeze? Do you get aggressive? All of these things are absolutely valid human emotions, but we need to know so we can own it yes. what we're going to see. So the more experience, the better. But not at the expense of your audience. That's where you take it to the lab. So when you have these bigger issues to feel out, I hope that teachers, and I've met some that really do, create environments for performers to explore these things such that they can, such that they can work them out and know how to bring them into the world in an effective way, regardless of what they do with them, just yes. so it's, it's under control. Because when it's under control, it's technique. And when it's out of control and it goes right, it's just dumb luck. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not replicable. Yeah. So I think that's, again, it's just one thing in your toolbox is the phrase I come back to on, on anything.
1: Yeah. It's something, it's an underlying truth. So I think, I think, yeah, that the I think gender is an underlying truth and you're going to be dealing with it, but it's also just what it is.
0: I think it's really funny that we just finished talking about this very provocative topic, and if you listen very far in the background, you can hear a siren going off. Yeah. It's like in the very far distance, and I don't know if it'll end up on the recording, but I think the, the distance that it, it, we're, we, we leave running away from this question because the gender police might be coming. Yes. So moving on. I just think it's funny. I don't it is funny. I don't feel that way. I just think it's funny because there's a siren. There I, is, I'm yes. an improviser, so I'm going to work with it. Oh, this is for me now. Yes. I understand the format works that way. Well done. Thank you.
1: So, we have our next question and the next question is Yes. Is there a prestigious clown group that clowns aspire to be a part of or that has cachet among clowns?
0: Ooh. Ooh. I think first off, the person who wrote this is trying to is is, is coming at it the same way I think a lot of people try to impress people. Um prestigious implies a resume thing Mm -hmm. you know they want to they want to know you're you're one of the good ones and I'm gonna I'm gonna be really honest when I started my journey I wanted to build a family a creative family and then we could build anything yes and that was my approach and that's how we ended up with like uh, a huge circus full of people at one point Because we just kept saying, yeah, come along. We'll figure out what to do with you when we get there. And we started writing shows that way, and they're terrible because you've just crammed a lot of people in the room and hoped it went well. And what I didn't understand was how those great groups got made was they went up to someone and said, hey, I like the way you play. Let's play together. And if it went well, that was good. Let's do it again.
1: What what great groups?
0: What great groups?
1: Yeah, you need to back up because you're not answering the question.
0: I'm getting there. (laughs) A great group of clowns. See, so yeah, I did it. Any great group of performers, clowns, circuses, they, what, what happens is they are not actually built by cramming a bunch of talent together and then something magically they write shows. What happens is people who happen to already be working together come together. And because they like doing that, they keep doing that. I did this the hard way and crammed people together who honestly had no business being together, who had different ideological values on how work should be approached, which was great because we all learned a lot and we all learned that we didn't need to be working together and we all went our separate ways. And then what I was left with was ultimately a group of people who wanted to do what I refer to as as physical theater or clown theater. And and that's the part that interests me. It took me a really long time to learn this idea that who you want to work with is those people. Additionally... There, if you meet someone and you go, oh, their work is so great, they are so magical, I hold them up high, go take a workshop from them. Go learn from them. But don't expect them to hire you because they're going to look at you and say, you know, I, and, I even, and I say this because I know people who are further down the road than me who, who say good things about me, but they don't want to work with me because they're working at a level that's so above where I am that it would take me years just to catch up and they would have to slow down. And what this leads me to is also there comes a point in your life, and I think I'm I'm a little bit there, where you look around, you're the only one, you're the only one doing what you do, and so you ask people, to come learn from you, and uh, be your student. And I, I I got asked once we were doing a workshop on truth and performance. Uh, remember we were in this little tiny, parlor theater, and uh, it was a magician's theater, so it's very small. Uh, and a guy invited me in to teach this, and we're doing Truth and Performance. We're doing all these workshops, and we're sitting down. I'm sitting on the stage and kind of rapping with people at the end. And they said, why do you teach? Since we're all being truth. And I, I, I hemmed and I hauled and I kind of do what I always do, which is to talk around the problem till I finally work my way to the middle. And I said, you know, there's not a lot of people who do what I do, and I want to literally make friends. I want to teach people how to become clowns so I can play clown games with them, which is my favorite thing in the world. I love to play Silly little clown games, and in order to do that, I have to teach you enough so you can come play with me. Now, sometimes you meet someone, I'm looking deeply into Liam's eyes. Sometimes you meet someone and they get it and they learn very quickly, and you suddenly find yourself sort of walking side by side, and you say, We should do stuff because you're funny and you're, I'm, we're kind of, we're both bad at this, so let's go. And those are the people who you end up building great stuff with. So my, my short version answer to this is I I think I'm most proud to be a member of the Circus Freaks because I worked like heck to get here. Yeah. You know, this troupe is, is bail. I built it because I, I auditioned for big circuses and they didn't want me. Uh, the, the short version of that story is I auditioned for Ringling at one point and they pulled me aside and they said, you're fantastic. We're going to tell you something. But you need to promise us when we tell you that you don't stop doing what you're doing because what you're doing is amazing. These are the exact words said to me. They said, you know, you're, you're amazing. You're no good for what we do, but you are so important for what you're doing. And it meant a lot because I was literally told I was too weird for the circus. <laughs> and that freed me from that desperate need to be a part of something. So, yeah, I've, I've gone and I've literally slept in barns to go and learn from a living legend. And I learned a lot. Living legend didn't want to work with me. And you know, the truth is, in most cases, I didn't want to work with a living legend. I wanted to learn from the living legend. And I've had people who have been in workshops or I've, I've been on gigs with who years later I'm still friends with. And we're always like, yeah, we're going to as soon as the stars align. And every now and then they do. And we get to do something. And it feels so good because those are people who play the same way you do. Mm-hmm. And I think... Prestige looks really good on my resume. You know, the fact that I went to all these different places to learn from people means I have a very impressive resume as an educator, as a performer. But the reality is whether or not I'm good on stage is what matters. And the real reality is none of that matters if I'm not playing well with others. And I learned that the hardest way, which is I learned that from juggling. So you learn to throw balls in the air and you catch them. You can juggle by yourself. Congratulations, you're a juggler. If you stand in a room by yourself long enough, you can juggle. Now you want to juggle with someone else. You and I throw clubs. Yes. Yes, and we love doing it. It's a nice warm-up and it's fun. Mm -hmm. So we throw some clubs back and forth. To learn that, and we both kind of did this independently, you have to go find someone better than you. Mm -hmm. If you meet someone who's good at passing clubs, it's because they stood across from someone who was better than them who threw the clubs back until they figured it out. It is the only way to learn this. And it's sometimes referred to as the juggler's debt or the juggler's karma to take this thing where, okay, I've learned the skill and you meet someone who's not as good as you. It's, yeah, I'll, I'll spend one gym throwing clubs back at you. That's the least I can do. Mm-hmm. And also everyone's very understanding. If a rock star walks in the room is really talented, they're going to be throwing stuff to people who don't have their level of ability until yeah. they go find a tougher room. Yeah, there are things to learn when you're sitting in the seat where you are the, the the stronger juggler in the room. There are things to be learned. You learn how to clean up garbage. You learn how to uh, fix problems in the in the moment. But ultimately, what you really learn is how to play well with others to some degree. Because if you don't, no one's gonna want to play with you. Yeah, and that's the lesson that was viscerally taught to me by juggling, that I think really applies to this, which is that play well with others and you'll be invited to go play places and if not well no one wants to play with you because even if you're the most skilled person in the world and you're a jerk no one no one likes you yeah okay great you can work by yourself have fun mm-hmm. and to me the most fun thing in the world to do is to get to do something with somebody else because if i'm on stage by myself i gotta do all the work i gotta come up with everything yeah if i'm on stage standing next to you i don't have to come up with anything i just have to be there for you and respond to what you give me
1: yes and
0: it will always be great yeah even because if we're both
1: doing that, right?
0: Exactly, exactly,
1: yeah.
0: exactly. So I think, I think the approach to prestigious organizations, because there are you know clown trips that have been around for a long time, I guess, but I don't, I don't think it's the right approach creatively. To be good, and I do admit that at the beginning of my career I was very oh I wanted to be a part of a big thing and I would act like the big kids and that's where I learned that lesson where those that are better than you will say nice things about you and won't work with you because you're not ready mm-hmm. it's not that they don't like you they like you a lot they hope you will someday get to where they you know they retire and they know that somebody good's going forward or maybe you'll get a moment where you work together mm-hmm. but it's there's a there's a very strange relationship there because there's a there's an unevenness of where you are on that on that journey you know uh there's a clown who said that um we're all on the same mountain and it's like if you know more than me then uh you're the guide and if I know more than you then I'm the guide and if maybe we'll walk alongside each other and if we don't like doing that well I'll see you at the top and I think that's a I think that's a good way to look at it and that's a good way to work so yeah. that's that's my answer how about you what pret Let me get the. I got to get my glasses out because I've been running my mouth. Is there a prestigious clown group that clowns aspire to be a part of, or that has cachet among clowns?
1: Um, I think you. You mean you did a great job covering this.
0: Sorry, I didn't leave you much.
1: Um, so in that, in that, the answer is kind of no. Um, but also the answer has been yes. Oh. At various points in time, because I mean. You look, at, you look at something like Ringling.
0: It's a big show.
1: It's a big show. It's a big deal. And you look at something like um, Cirque du Soleil has a talent bank.
0: It's very prestigious to be in
1: there. And it is very prestigious to be in there. So it's th- that definitely does exist. Um, and, I mean, it exists. And the idea of trying so hard to be a part of that exists enough that there is the term train chaser, which is somebody who is following the, the I mean, this is from uh, the, the Barnum, circus. And ba- Barnum and Bailey Ringling, yeah. Barnum and Bailey days, of wanting to get in so badly that you follow the train, that from, you place follow place. The train from place to place and, and try to audition again and again and again. Uh, if they said no
0: it's interestingly and and no surprise to anyone it's it's a derogatory i've heard the term it's a derogatory term it's
1: not a it's not a nice thing to say about somebody
0: because you you know what they call you know what they call you if 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 they don't think of you that way they call you that nice kid who showed up yes and maybe stuck around or maybe didn't but if you if they have to call you a name they don't like it yeah yeah
1: because the reality is chasing the train is a distraction from doing the work.
0: I got goosebumps from your wisdom. Did you see it? I'm going to put that I'm going to put that in my clown wisdom file. I'm not being sarcastic at all. That was a you got a brain you use it twice a day you're so smart.
1: It's a good sentence. Because it is. It's a distraction from doing the work. As you've pointed out, if you're doing a thing, if you're doing the thing you want to do, You will turn around one day and look and see the other people who also want to do the thing you want to do in a similar way to the way you do it. And you'll go, Hey, we should do something together. And they will either say yes or no, and it will happen or it won't. And if it doesn't, you keep doing what you are doing. You keep working your development as a clown and in clown because anything And I think this counts for almost anything in any discipline, any prestigious group. And I'm not saying it's not worth getting into some of them because depending on the discipline, sometimes it is, but they all started when someone turned around and looked at him his or her, or their group of friends, and said, hey, we've been doing a thing for a bit, we should probably give it a name.
0: That is absolutely correct. You brought it home. Well said.
1: So, so, so the answer is yes, there are a few. And it's, it's, it's not worth it to waste your time freaking out about it. You get the opportunity to audition for something that's big yeah do it
0: you, you know it's what, a
1: learning opportunity if nothing else
0: you know what comes to mind also
1: mm-hmm.
0: one of the things we love about the clown in a show when you think about a big show yeah and it doesn't necessarily have to be a big show to be a good clown but this is what i'm thinking of they're by themselves we like them because they're lonely that's why they become the audience's friend yeah. because they're clearly lonely so if you're part of something so big there's no room for the audience you're never going to make that relationship so finding a balance and I think you've got the right idea if it happens to happen or if you happen to be in the right place lucky you
1: yeah do it do it do not let do, do not you know shoot yourself in the foot on, on getting the opportunity to try something big
0: But at, but at the end of the day don't chase the train, do the work. I'm gonna yeah. put it on a t shirt maybe someday. That's so good. I'm not gonna put it on a t shirt, but I am gonna like it.
1: All right. It matters more to me that it's in that list of yours than 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 that it's on a shirt for somebody somewhere.
0: It's gonna be on the list. It's on the list. It's a good one. Um yeah, so that's uh that's well answered. Thank you. Well answered. I I'm I'm actually very I'm sitting here very impressed.
1: It's it's very easy to uh, come up with a succinct and uh nice answer.
0: After. After
1: listening to you go, good walk through it.
0: It's called putting the button on a thing. Yes. In the industry, if you can put a button on a thing, it's good. Here's the cool trick. Mm-hmm. Can you? And I don't know. I'm not. This is not a challenge. This is just a, the thought for the day. Can you come up with with one of those phrases? that works without the unpacking, that's when it's really good. That
1: is when it's really am, good, which admittedly, that one is not one that works without the, the unpacking. That one's not. And you need to unpack that one.
0: I've got a couple in my bag that I use sometimes, but not many. Not many. Okay. I have another question for you. Yes. Since you're on a roll, you're, you're wise today. Why, thank you. Wise between your ears. <laughs>
1: I'm sure I've heard that before, but it's hitting me today. Okay.
0: All right. Stumbling backwards from wisdom, I'm going to ask you this question. Yes. Is a taco a sandwich? No That's it.
1: I don't think a taco is a sandwich.
0: Huh?
1: I think they're two different things. Um...
0: Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about what about the variations of taco? you know think about other cultures? What about a, a gyro where it's got the pita bread? Not no.
1: S- no. No. I don't think i have Wait a
0: minute. Sandwich. Go go all the way. Doner kebab. No. You you are you are very what what is it that it's connected? Is that your problem?
1: I mean that does it does kind of. Wait. A minute. Out, what yeah. if
0: I make one of the subway sandwich or a hoagie and I leave the bottom of the bread connected?
1: That bothers me. It's Bre- still a sandwich, but only barely.
0: Uh, but I just I'll slap my hand down. No. I'm bothered by... I'm bothered by...
1: Wow! You're bothered by that.
0: I'm bothered by your sandwich bigotry.
1: (laughs) Look, look, look. I understand this is the sort of thing that people get into major arguments about. We just did. I do not intend to get into a major argument about it. If someone feels that a taco is a sandwich... They can feel a taco as a sandwich. If they ask me if I want a sandwich and they give me a taco, I will be very annoyed.
0: Why? Tacos are delicious.
1: Not are if you... I'm prepared for a sandwich.
0: You're not emotionally prepared for a variant sandwich?
1: Not for a taco. It's not a sandwich.
0: Okay, I see how it is around here. I see I All
1: see. right, well, let me we ask you. Is a taco a sandwich?
0: Before I answer this question, yes, I have to point out that we've we've been thrown under a particular bus because very late night chats, I occasionally get a message at random. Someone says, we need the salad clown. this This literally <laughs> this literally happens. Someone go, we need the salad clown to arbitrate a dispute. So what? This happened because after many, many late night conversations, a group of friends have decided that for whatever reason, unfathomable to me, Whenever they got into dispute of what is or isn't a salad, they would ask me to split the vote. Yes. And because I did this a couple of times, that because I am willing to get out my opinion shovel and dig up a bunch of opinion dirt, make a little opinion hill, climb on top of it and die there just for the sake of comedy, this became a thing they liked. So salad clown it was. And the salad clown has spoken. And then that was it. And then everybody would argue me into the ground. And well, that,
1: then, of course, the side question is... Is a taco a salad?
0: Absolutely. It's got all the, it's got crunchy bits on the, on, on some of the surfaces. It's got some protein in there. There's veggies. There's a sauce. Absolutely a salad. But returning to the question. Yes. Is a taco a sandwich? Look, you've got a protein wrapped in a carb with an optional vegetable and a condiment. Yes. that is the bare minimums of sandwichdom in my life. I am a very open sandwichy person. I'm also a very close sandwichy person. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that something totally encased is still possibly a sandwich. Well, that's a wrap. I'm not done talking.
1: Yeah, I know, but I still had to say it.
0: <laughs> you got me. You got me. I will say that it is I will say that it is a sandwich and ravioli, sandwich too. Pierogi, sandwich too.
1: Wow, you're going to double down on... Only
0: because of the way you walked in, you're like you owned the world and demanded that tacos be ousted. I'm inviting them all in. I am the Statue of Liberty of lunch food. That's what I'm saying.
1: Okay, no, I'm going to take issue with you saying that I, I stood here and and came in like I owned the world.
0: Give me your You're hungry, You're poor... No, because... Your carbohydrates wrapped around things yearning to be eaten. Here's the thing. Hmm?
1: I... Believe that there should be a category of carbohydrates wrapping a protein and or some veggies and that being a walkable snack or meal. Yeah. Because it's a delightful thing that has happened in many, many cultures. Sure. I don't think that it's appropriate... For that umbrella category to be named after the Earl of Sandwich, I think that's incredibly Western Eurocentric, in a way that's probably problematic.
0: I think I just got canceled. <laughs> I think I did, because I think you're right.
1: Because because the question of is a sandwich a taco well, well, should be equally valid, and yet we're in this in this culture I'm,
0: I'm not that de- feels
1: like one of those is a better umbrella term than the other.
0: I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to go down in flames. That's fine. But I want to ask a question. Yes. The Earl of Sandwich's goal was to eat food while playing cards at a table. Ostensibly the whole format was to not get any food yes. on the cards, Yes. on the clothes, on the table. Because that'd be rude to be asked to leave no more cards. Yes. So based on that, I think any food that qualifies in that minimalist definition, cultural understanding notwithstanding, is uh, arguably a sandwich. And I think the Earl of Sandwich and anyone else who eats handheld foods worldwide would agree based on that argument.
1: Yes, although that does put messy sandwich theory out the window. Oh,
0: no. Messy sandwich theory, for those who don't know, is that the better a sandwich tastes, the messier it is. We've thought about this a lot. Yes. Because only the only good sandwich is one that, when you're done eating, you 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 need... look
1: at your plate and you go, "Oh, I'm so glad you were there."
0: Yeah, you think free salad. <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough.
1: Um,
0: or soup if it's a very wet sandwich.
1: So I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I have an answer to what I think should be used to that category.
0: But you know, the Earl of Sandwich is is not it.
1: I just I feel like it's I feel. Like culturally, maybe we should reflect on our insistence. <laughs> if you in weren't using smiling your head term, off,
0: if you weren't smiling your head off, I might believe that you were doing anything other than throwing me under a salady sandwichy bus. But I see your point. I, I concede that you have a point. I will still say that for the record, I was asked, do I think a taco is a form of sandwich?
1: Yes. And was I will the say that was
0: yes. Asked. But I will also say the pupusa is too, and I will correspondingly say not all sandwiches are all these other things. It's not a one-to-one. I'm not trying to own the world here. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to disagree with you. I think.
1: Okay. I think that's we're a having really, a fight. That's what's
0: happening. A here. big, big screaming match. Rawr. Oh, you're doing the, do, 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 do. You know that's we shouldn't careful. do that. Yeah. We shouldn't. Copyright. Oh, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking we have music coming up.
1: Oh, we do have music coming up. You're right, because I think that was, yes, that was our last question.
0: Yeah, I assumed it it was from the stack of the cards moving around. Yeah. Here's the thing. Last time we did this, I had a friend provide us with a remix, an actual remix Mm -hmm. of our theme, which I think is delightful. Yes. This time, I figured we got to go the opposite extreme. Heartwarming old school renditions of. All right. Just outside this door an adorable rendition of our theme song following the classic format.
1: That sounds wonderful.
0: That's a thing to look forward to. In the meantime, I wanted to say thank you to you for hanging out with me.
1: Thank you, and thank you to all of you for hanging out with us.
0: Absolutely. You guys have been great listeners. I feel like I've been very listened to. If you have any questions about things we said, other than the sandwich thing, because, no, I mean, even that's fine. But, I mean, if you have any questions, send them along. We would love to hear them.
1: Yes, please do. Because we we, um, We not only would love to hear them, we would love to answer them.
0: That's true. We like both.
1: Because without your questions, there is no reason to lock us in this closet.
0: And then we don't get snacks when we get out of this closet.
1: And that would be tragic.
0: You know what's even more tragic? What? I'm not sure if I want a taco or a sandwich now. Oh, no. Yeah.
1: We'll have to see what we have. We'll go from there.
0: What we have is a... Lovely time in our podcast, known as
1: Two Clowns in a Closet,
0: who are now going to exit the closet and go have a snack because we did the job and them's the rules. Yes. All right. Oh, theme song.